When people think of special operations, they generally only think of the military members. However, their spouses and kids are an important part of that community as well. The lifestyle of being in the military is extremely taxing in relationships, and in the special operations community, it is magnified. These members are gone regularly for deployments and are not always home during training cycles. Having a solid support system makes a role of difference in what someone can achieve. A family is at the core of this support system. Today's episode, I speak to Mel, whose husband is an EOD tech in the Navy. She gives her perspective on what it is like to be a military spouse. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're live, Sebby. Action. What's up, Mel? How are you and your family? Hey, Sebby. We're good. Just living the dream. Just living the dream. The military dream. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. What is it like to be a spouse of someone in the military, and on top of that, someone who's in special operations? It's a roller coaster, like any marriage, but it's kind of amplified because home life is secondary to military life. And it's not so much my husband's doing, it's the military lifestyle. These guys have missions and it doesn't include a family and that's just the reality of it. And you have to accept it if you're a military spouse. But dudes and spec ops, man, what can I say? You guys are a special breed, aren't you? You're all handsome devils and God's gift to the world, right? <laughs> and you guys are so in love with each other. Do you remember the first time that I met you? Yeah. I think you might have been drinking a little or a lot. You told me how much you loved Chris. Oh, well, that's true. Over and over. So much that if it ever came down to it, that you would die for his family, meaning Bella and I. You know, that's true love. That's a brotherhood. You're one of about four people that love Chris as much as I do. The other people besides you and I are fellow EOD techs. So you guys are definitely obsessed with each other. You always want to hang out with each other, which is good. I mean, I'd rather that he likes the people that he works with. But when he invited you to Guatemala for our 10th anniversary trip, I mean, did that go like a little far? <laughs> no, what do you mean? Completely normal. But it was like so much more fun with you there. I mean, super romantic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time for sure. That's true. But to be clear, I do love Chris. From our camaraderie overseas and the experiences we had, it brought us close together. We cleared a lot of rooms. He had my back, I had his back. I mean, you go through something like that, you don't come out the same on the end. You guys definitely have some pretty important shared experiences that you know that you can trust each other further than anybody in the world. Probably even further than he can trust me because we've never been put through something that extreme. Literally life and death. So if something ever happens to me, you're welcome to step in as mom. <laughs> <laughs> I got your back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's get back to Chris and you. How long have you guys been married? 15 years in August. So we might take a trip for our anniversary. What are you doing next month? <laughs> I'll be wherever you guys are. <laughs> yeah, 15 years. Yep. Congratulations. That's a really big feat, especially because the divorce rate is so high in general. And then in the military, it's even higher. And then in spec ops, it's even higher. Wow. That's very impressive. What's the secret sauce? Uh, well, there's no real secret. I mean, you have to be committed and love is a decision you make every day. It's not a feeling. It's not a heart thing. It's a brain thing. And you have to decide to actively love each other. When men are in the military, it's high stress a lot. And that's not even including combat missions and deployments and stuff like that, but just general military life and deploying, being away from family and moving away from extended family. That's super stressful. You just have to be able to communicate and trust each other. I think that's the biggest thing, especially for the military. Trust is a big one. Because so much time spent away and you just have to make sure that you know what you're doing, right? For sure. I see it all the time where there are military spouses. I'm just going to say wives because the vast majority of people in our community, the EOD community, are men. And so the spouses are pretty much always wives. You know what I mean? So I'll just assume that we're all women that are going to be the spouses. I see 
these women who are really insecure in themselves and insecure in their marriage and have to be able to put on your big girl panties and just hold down the fort. And you have to be able to not have that constant reassurance because the guys have so much on their minds outside of their marriage. There's been so many times I just have to put my feelings aside and understand you have to look at the long game. I put aside the little things that we're arguing about right now. We can talk about that when he gets back, but he needs to know that I'm behind him 100% so that he can do his job when he's deployed and not have to worry about me back at home. I don't remember which deployment it was. I was actually having a lot of health issues. I didn't really tell Chris about it because there was nothing he could do. They weren't going to send him back. All he was going to do is worry about and it would take his mind off the game. So I figured when he comes back, you know, I'll fill him in then and he'll do what he can then. As a military spouse, you have to be confident, capable, and able to put yourself second or third or fourth. The military comes first and that's just how it is. It's a very mature, thought out response. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. I have a lot of respect for you and what you just said. That's very good. Not putting yourself first is a pretty big problem in general in our society. So for any marriage, any relationship, any friendship, not putting yourself first is going to get you pretty far. Most definitely. Selflessness. A lot of people on the outside see military members as being so selfless. However, being there, I see that guys have to be more selfish. They have to think about themselves, what they want to achieve, and put themselves through a training cycle, deployment, pipeline, whatever it is, to accomplish their goals to be that person. Sure. But when I think of their wives and their families, they have to give up so much because their husband or wife is doing all these things. And they have to have his back. And like you said, you have to hold on to the fort. And at times when you're sick, you can't even tell your spouse because you know it's just going to make their job harder. Yeah, absolutely. They need to be 100% in the game mentally. It's different with Fleet Navy. I mean, Chris was Fleet Navy when we first got married, and it was a lot different. We were super young, super immature, made tons of mistakes. We barely knew each other. Did you know this, Sebi? We only knew each other two months before we eloped. Yeah, that's awesome. We were in A school together. I was actually active duty as well. We met in A school, the A school he wasn't even supposed to go to. We met there in... Photography school, right? Yes, and I was a journalist, and it was at the same schoolhouse. We met and fell in lust and <laughs> got married. <laughs> that's wild. And it worked out, I guess. Well, 15 years later, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. With all the time that he is training or he's on deployment or he's thinking about something else, how much time do you actually get to spend with Chris? The last few years that he was on shore duty, we were together a lot, but it's not close to how much time non-military people spend together, that's for sure. We definitely have a lot of time apart even now because he's, with his job specifically, there are so many schools he can go to, so many different types of training, and he loves to learn. That's one of the things that I love about him. That's one of my favorite qualities about him is he loves to constantly learn. I do the same thing. I'm always reading and learning. So he signs up for every school that he can possibly get. He does travel a lot. Thankfully, it's not all as stressful as deployment because then there's the added worry of his safety and stuff. When he was at a mobile unit a few years ago, he was gone all the time. I mean, something that people don't realize is that a deployment isn't just the three, four, six, or 12 months or whatever that they're away. There's a long workup cycle, which is training for the deployment before they even deploy. But they're often traveling all over kingdom come during this 18 month period leading up to deployment. Families that are, for example, in Spain, 
a lot of their training is back in the United States. So they come to the United States like six months before their six month deployment. Oftentimes the families don't come with them. So that's a year instead of the six month deployment. It's a year that they're apart. We definitely get to spend a lot more time together now. I don't know, he's back at a mobile unit, so it's gonna get crazy again. It's old hat now, we've done it so many times. Man, that is a lot of time away from each other. But like you said, if you find that purpose, you understand what you're doing together and you can communicate it, you can get through it. And you guys are an example of that. One of my sister's husbands travels for work. And when he first started traveling, she's like, oh, he's gone for two days. It's so hard. I was like, <laughs> I'm not the right person for you to get sympathy from for this. You're going to have to call our other sister. People ask us, how do you do it? And I'm like, how do you not get any time apart? I think sometimes for Chris and I, especially that time apart is really good because we're both very type A. We both have very strong personalities. It's really nice to have a little bit of time apart to get back to who we are as individuals. And then we have more to talk about when we're back together and we appreciate each other more and really savor that time together more. You guys actually have quality time versus just the same conversation over and over again that doesn't really go anywhere, but it's something new and exciting. Exactly. Now that we know that he's gone a lot and you guys don't spend that much time together, go down even further. How much intimate time? Like it's just you two versus family or you're going and doing something else. Something that's just for you guys. Just the two of us. Never, ever. Because up until three months ago, we only had one child and she's always been so chill and awesome. We've always taken her everywhere with us. We've always been real sketched out by babysitters and we never hired sitters because we didn't want to leave her with these people because we move around so much you don't know people you don't have family to babysit or people you've known your whole life we just kind of took her and we got used to that this past january we started the foster care training we called it our date night once a week where we would go and do three hours of training it was actually really really nice even though we were sitting there doing death by powerpoint it was really nice i was like oh yeah i like this guy it's fun <laughs> we can joke you know without having to worry about a 12-year-old in the back. Now we have a almost two-year-old foster son, and we are making a point to get a date every now and then. Oh, that's cool. So now to your kids. You yes. guys have one daughter and you have a foster boy. Yes. What issues have you faced raising her and now him on your own a lot of times? I don't want to disrespect single parents by saying it's like single parenting because, of course, I don't have to worry about the financial aspect of being a single parent. I think the hardest part is when he's been gone for a long time and then he comes back because it's been four, six months, whatever, of me taking care of business. We're in a really good routine. We've got just a good dynamic with, so far it's just been Bella and I. We haven't done a deployment yet with the little guy. We have a really good routine. Our personalities are real similar. We're both kind of just mellow and chill. And then high energy Chris comes back home and he wants to jump in and he wants to be the parent, which of course he has every right to do, but it's like, whoa, 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 she's my kid and we've been doing it this way. So I have to really check myself and be like, okay, he's the dad. He's got every right to step in. I have to let him come in and kind of disrupt things and we find a new normal. And so it's constantly just adjusting and finding a new normal. We'll get in a good routine when he's gone and then he comes home, finally get the bumps worked out and get in a good routine and then he leaves again. It's just constantly adapting and it is what it is. They've got a great relationship, he and our daughter, and we just make do. You just have to be able to be accepting and forgiving of 
not fights, but the difference of opinions that are going to come up when he's like, well, how come you've been doing it this way for so long? And it's just, we're different personalities. We're going to parent different. And when we're separated through deployment, I don't consult him for every little tiny thing. So when he comes home, it's hard to remember to ask him like, hey, can she go have a sleepover at her friends? Or hey, <laughs> can you take her here or whatever? So it's just a matter of remembering to include him when he's home. There's a lot of change there. It sounds like it could be very frustrating, especially if you just keep butting heads you don't understand that there's going to be a transition process out and a transition process in. Sure. Yeah. Have you noticed a trend of it takes two weeks to readjust? It takes four weeks. How long do you think it takes to get back to a normal routine while he's home and then a normal routine while he's gone? We actually had our daughter in Japan. That was our first duty station. He would go out on the ship for long periods of time when she was super tiny. And so he would come home. And she didn't want anything to do with him because she didn't know him and she's a little tiny baby. And so it would take a lot longer for her to warm up. But now that she's older, they just pick up right where they left off. And we are so used to picking up where we left off that I'd say transition time before used to be months. And now it's like a week or two. It's a lot easier. You can't hold grudges like in any marriage. I see people all the time that are so miserable in their marriages because they just like to hold grudges. If you want to have a successful marriage, you're going to have to suck down your feelings and just move on for the greater good. Often, both parties, you just have to let it lie sometimes. I'm not saying don't talk about your problems, but you're not always going to agree, but you can't just hold on to those little slights forever. And it's the same thing with military or civilian or whatever. With that said, frustrations of the transition process, you getting into your norms, and then Chris comes in there and he disrupts everything. And then you guys get used to it and then he has to leave. What are things that you wish you would have known before getting married to better set yourself up? I wish I'd known myself better, actually. Well, and knowing Chris better would have helped make those first years a lot smoother, too. I mean, two months is not a lot of time to get to know each other, especially when you have a three-day duty cycle and you're on opposite days. We got to spend one out of three days together. We really didn't know what we were getting into. To set yourself up for marriage, I think that it's just one of those things that it's on the job training. You got to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to apologize and you have to be willing to forgive. And that's it. That's really the key. That's just essential for any marriage. Yes, any marriage. And military specific, you have to be able to roll with the punches. You're going to have plan A, B, and C, and it's going to come along where you're going to need plan D, E, F, Z. You have to be able to adapt to the military life. You have to be able to figure it out as you go. To piggyback on that, what are the biggest downsides of having a spouse who is in the military? Well, the time apart, of course, but... I really hate that everything revolves around his job and his schedule and his time off, et cetera. It's really easy to start to feel like your dreams and goals don't matter. Maybe it's just my husband, but it's really hard for him to stop being work Chris when he comes home. I'm like, you better stop talking to me like I'm one of the boys or one of your junior personnel or we're going to have serious problems here, senior chief. Like, <laughs> Especially when he comes home from deployments, living with dudes. He is so rough around the edges. I was like, all right, you need to get your manners back. You need to get your house language back. That's definitely one of the downsides. They lose their husband training when they go on deployment. <laughs> <laughs> having a husband who's in the special operations community is a little bit different than having a husband in the fleet navy i mean chris has been both since we've been married he was miserable at work when he was in the fleet he was surrounded by people that were let's just say they were not his speed when he was miserable at work he was miserable to be around at home but when he became an eod tech he fell in love with how challenging the work is he's been a tech now for about 10 years 
And having a man that is satisfied at work is much more peaceful at home. That being said, for a man that lives on adrenaline and adventure, I feel like he gets kind of restless if he's home too much because home life is a lot slower paced and I try to run a calm, peaceful household. So maybe it gets a little boring. I've heard the same from other EOD wives and girlfriends. The guys always have to be go, go, go all the time. They all have adventurous hobbies too, like riding motorcycles, rock climbing, hunting, fishing, extreme sports, you name it. They have to get their fix away from work. It's just in your blood. I can understand where they're coming from. It is. Yeah, for sure. I know you can. That transition process that you're talking about, I have dealt with that too. And I can tell you just from my experience that it was very difficult understanding there was going to be a change when I get home. Mm -hmm. When I was on deployment, you talk a certain way, you act a certain way, you're around your buddies and you can, and that's okay. And everybody does. But when you come home, you come back to the civilian life and people just don't understand and you don't understand them either. You forget that you have to transition back and you have to take a step back and approach in a different manner. Most guys just don't care in the end and they just act the way they do. They can get them in trouble. There'll always be this disconnect. So if you have a spouse or a family and they can tell you like, hey man, transition out of this, that would really help. Because no one told me and I was just stuck in that until I realized by myself after I had made mistakes that, oh man, I'm not there anymore. I can't do that. Well, I think there's all these social norms that are pushed to the wayside when you guys are in a war environment because they don't matter. You're in survival mode and these courtesies to each other, they're just time wasters. And so you come back to the States or wherever you're stationed, to you come back to civilization, let's say. There's all these social norms now that you're supposed to participate in. You look at them now and you're like, do you not know what I've been doing? This crap doesn't matter. There's so much more going on in the world right now. I think that's the disconnect where you guys are just like, this is dumb. Why am I going to waste my time being this way that's so artificial and superficial when you've seen what you've seen? I really try to understand with Chris, his worldview is never going to be the same as mine anymore because of the things that he's had to see while at war. And that's okay. My worldview is very different than his. And that's something we're working on having him understand as well. I have to remind him all the time, hey, that person doesn't know what you know. They haven't seen what you've seen. You can't get mad at them for not experiencing what you've experienced. They're definitely going to look at things differently. I think that kind of touches upon what you were talking about you experienced when you got home. Yeah, well said. You understand that very well thanks. It was some of my college classes. <laughs> I had a worldview class and I was like, it all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm, for it. sure. You've explained some of the problems that you have had with having a spouse in the military, but what are some other problems that you've seen other couples have? You see it over and over again, the same exact problem besides communication, besides the main points that you've made. Have you seen anything else? Sebi, I know I'm going to really seriously ruffle some feathers here, but it starts to become a really big problem when a guy deploys and he realizes that his new wife is largely incapable of doing anything. She's useless. Getting the car fixed, doing the taxes, fixing the toilet, mowing the lawn, and general problem solving, etc. Come on, ladies, roll up your sleeves and get it done. There's just so many women that just don't know how to figure things out or do manual labor or how to call a repairman even. They've always had somebody take care of it for them and the husband's gone and he can't do it. Then it's just nothing but problems for the man when he's deployed because he's worrying about everything that's going on at home. Really, our role as a military spouse is to make his life easier to take care of everything at home so he doesn't have to worry about it. I realize that is a very unpopular traditional gender role view that is really frowned upon these days. Wouldn't you say that's more about the partnership? It's more what needs to be done versus 
well, it's just because I'm a girl. Now I have to clean the toilet. No, that needs to be done to balance out the relationship, what he's doing, what you're doing. But if it was reverse, right, and you were in special operations, then Chris would have to do that too. It's not because he's a dude. It's because he's your partner and he's just trying to balance it out and make sure that the house is fully functional and standing upright, correct? For sure. That's true. And I don't think it's like I shouldn't have to do it because I'm a girl. It's just they've never done it because they're a girl. They're like, well, that's like a guy's thing. And he does it when he's here. And you've never gotten your hands dirty because you've never had to. So now you have no idea what you're doing. I think the problem is maybe not that they're not willing, but they just don't even know where to start. I feel so many young women coming into marriages, they lack a lot of life skills. I don't think it's just women. I think it's young people in general. There you go. Start a podcast where you teach young people simple life skills. Let me ask you, how far would it go if Chris goes and works a 12-hour day and he comes home and I'm like, I don't know how to cook. Can you make us dinner? We've just been sitting here all day really hungry. Yeah, that would be very difficult. I'm sure Chris would take care of it, but it would be so much on his plate that it would be incredibly unbalanced. Unbalanced, exactly. That's when resent starts kicking in. That's when problems start arising and then other issues become something else that they're not really. It's just a recipe for disaster. Sure. And then the other common problem, I would say infidelity is huge. I think it's even more prevalent than it is in civilian life, but maybe I'm just naive. I think all the time apart, there's plenty of opportunities on both sides. You really have to be able to trust your spouse. And if you're super insecure in your relationship, you're not going to make it. I've seen these women that need constant reassurance just crumble over and over in the last decade and a half that we've been in this lifestyle. It's sad to see, but as a military spouse, you've really got to be able to like I said earlier, hold down the fort until they get back. You have to have confidence in your spouse. And for the husbands listening to this, you have to give her plenty of reasons to have confidence in you. But I mean, that's just across the board of marriage, isn't it though? Yeah, most definitely. That's a really good point. I don't think a lot of people think about that when they leave for long periods and then something happens and they're so shocked at what happened or why it happened or they're assuming it's happening and it's just not fun. And it takes away from both sides of the relationship. Yeah, you constantly have to feed the health of your marriage. Even when there is a deployment, a short note goes a long way. Or I used to hide notes in his luggage that he would find throughout deployment and tuck things in his kit just to remind him throughout the time that he's gone that I'm here, I'm waiting for him, I'm thinking about him. And he would do the same kind of stuff for me too. Yeah, that's really nice. That's a very good piece of advice for anybody listening to set their relationships up for success. Yeah. I mean, military marriages are like any marriages, just a little amplified because of all the time apart. Yeah, for sure. Does the military take good care of military spouses? Have you ever heard this saying, if the Navy wanted you to have a wife, they'd have issued you one? (laughs) (laughs) I've never, but that's really funny. Well, it's not quite that bad, but for the most part, you're not the highest priority to big Navy, of course. I mean, how could you be? They have missions to do. Your husband's literally government property. He can put you first until the Navy calls. But they do have all sorts of programs for military families, though. They really do try to make the families happy because, you know, in the long run, men will be less likely to stay in if the wife and kids are constantly miserable. Definitely. Some of the benefits that they have for military families, there's so many, and I'm probably going to leave out some of the biggest ones, but, and I'm super bad about taking advantage of them. There's free medical insurance, of course, which obviously we take advantage of. There's tuition assistance for spouses when your husband's up to a certain rank. Once he's high enough rank, you don't get that assistance anymore. That's called MyCAA. There's actually adoption assistance if you go that route. They will pay some of your legal fees and reimburse some other fees. Space A travel, 
which I've never taken advantage of, but I want to during his next deployment. That's where you can hop on a military flight to anywhere in the world that they're going if there's space available. They have a system of who gets priority for these empty seats. I've got friends that have flown all over the world on these space safe flights, and it's like $20. You can go to Japan for 20 bucks. That's amazing. Another really cool resource is, it's called Military OneSource. And I used this for the first time earlier this year. So you go to their website and you can email them a question. And they've got these specialists who their only job is to do the research. So I got this email back with just pages and pages and pages of information that applied to the question that I was wondering. We were actually wondering if there was any type of special things that we needed to do because we were looking into foster care. She actually sent me a bunch of information regarding adoption because we are fostering to adopt eventually, hopefully. That was a super helpful resource. It's called Military One Source. That sounds great. I wish more people knew about that because that'd probably help out a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. To wrap this up, what would you want to tell other spouses that are or may in the future be married to a military member? I was really excited for this question when I saw it on the list that you emailed to me because I cannot stress this enough. Pursue your own interests. Have a life. Don't get stuck constantly waiting for him to do everything because you'll be waiting forever and life will just pass you by. Go back to school, get a job if you want, get some hobbies, find a church, create for yourself a good support system that is local to where you are that does not revolve around the military. My main support group is made up of people from my church. I am friends with some EOD wives, but only really close with two of them. So. Don't be friends with women just because of something that your husbands have in common. Find girlfriends that you really click with and that really get you. The thread of EOD wife or mill spouse is easily broken. I've seen it so many times, I can't even tell you. And for goodness sake, do not wear your husband's rank. You didn't earn it and nobody outside of the military cares. Seriously, you're not a senior chief or a lieutenant or whatever. If your greatest claim in life is, I'm a captain's wife, really, what are you doing with your life? You've actually seen women wearing their husband's rank? Not literally wearing their rank. Well, no, actually, that's a lie. I do see chief wife or whatever. Nobody cares. That's hilarious. Half the time I'm like, wait, what rank is Chris again? Um, sometimes I have to ask him. And he's like, are you serious? He laughs at my lack of Navy knowledge. He's like, were you ever actually in? It's like you memorize it and then you dump it because you don't need it anymore. Definitely. Have a life. Get your own life. Yeah, that's great advice. I really hope that listeners take that to heart and apply that to their life because that can make a huge world of difference for not only the husband, but the wife as well and whoever's in the military. Definitely. Thanks for being here, Mel. Best of luck to you and your family. You guys are awesome. Best of luck to you guys. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. It was fun talking to you. It's my pleasure. Thanks. And that wraps up another episode of the Pre-Combat Check podcast. Go to the website precombatcheck.com for more information. Check out my book on Amazon called The Call of the Warrior, A Veteran's Guide to Life and Joining the Military. Please subscribe, hit five stars, and leave an awesome comment to show support. Stay tuned to hear from more veterans and current military members. Thanks for listening.